There are two rules to remember if you want to have a good time. Rules! No rules! Rule number one. Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. Rule number two. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. This week on Double Dragon, Steve Dress's first viewing of the almost universally despised episode of Season 8, The Bells. This is Episode 5. This is the episode where Danny snaps and burns all of King's Landing to ashes. This episode has massive problems, but of course, Steve and I also talk about the things that we enjoyed in this episode as well. Okay, before we get to Steve, you'll remember that one of the key features of Double Dragon is that every now and again I will bring on a medievalist to get a little bit of insight into the medieval literature and history that inspired House of the Dragon. So this week I will include a short excerpt of my conversation with medieval historian Ian McGinnis. Ian is a professor of history at the University of the Highlands in Scotland. In this conversation, I ask Ian a little bit about the construction of King's Landing relative to historical castles that we meet in medieval Europe. If you have a question for Double Dragon, you can email that to book at baldmove.com. And of course, we always appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes. And now your friend and mine, comic Steve Osborne. Steve, we got some Apple iTunes feedback for Double Dragon. Mm. And we encourage this. We like this. This helps us. So I thought I would read a couple reviews. And we're barely, I mean, Double Dragon's barely a thing, right? So here's the thing with this is that I think a lot of the reviews on this feed are for our previously Perfect Stranger Things feed. Because we use that feed to launch Double Dragon. Mm-hmm. So if you have a review that you would like to leave specifically about this podcast, that would be helpful. Yeah, Double Dragon. Double Dragon. Or if you just have an, a review that you'd like to leave for any podcast. Ours or otherwise. Yeah. Use, you know, David Axelrod's The Axe Files. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear what our listeners think. Of write that. it on ours. Don't write it on his. He doesn't yeah, he's need fine. it. He's fine. He does not need it. You got a review for Stuff You Should Know? Go ahead and write it on our feed. I would like it if our podcast and uh, podcast review section was kind of like the uh, What's Playing channel at a, on a, in a hotel TV. <laughs> sure. <laughs> this is what you could be doing. This is what else you could be doing. <laughs> All right. Um, this is uh, love. This show. Looking forward to coverage of House of the Dragon. I think the hosts have great chemistry, and I'm already a fan of their other podcasts. I just thought this would be a good time to mention that we do have other podcasts, Steve. So people, mm-hmm. yeah, we do. People are interested in our crocheting podcast. We've got. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's called it's called spinning a yarn. We crochet. And lie at the same time. We just yes outlandishly. Yeah, it's like three lies and a lie. <laughs> Very entertaining. The, the biggest lie being that uh, we're crocheting. <laughs> <laughs> Cocoons of horror. Uh, it's where we review movies. Not all horror, you know. You you'd think that it was specifically about horror, but as we've talked a lot. Not a very well-named podcast. 
<laughs> um, we don't talk about cocoons either. We don't, not a lot about metamorphosis. And then, of course, you might know us from Perfect Stranger Things, which you can find on the Dungeons and Demogorgons feed at Bald Moon. How does that work? It it doesn't. It doesn't really work. Because <laughs> like I'll, I'm going, like, I wonder what people think of us. And then I'll look on there, and I'm like, I don't know who they're talking about when it comes to reviews. So I'm wondering if people know that we're different people. I'm not sure that I am a different person. Because <laughs> I know you have, like, you prefaced the episode with, it says Perfect Stranger Things on it. Yeah. But, like, if you were just to pick that up, it would would it be confusing if you were to? I don't. Everything we do is know. confusing, Steve. I just right. that's but kind of like our the, brand. We are the cocoons of horror thing, being that hey, you we're going to talk about the last duel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cocoons of horror is not necessarily about horror, and people cannot say horror or spell cocoons. Spell cocoon. <laughs> yeah. So we're really. Yeah, we created the least searchable and the least pronounceable uh, <laughs> yeah. podcast at the same time. Uh-huh. Double Dragon started as a Stranger Things podcast, so that's confusing. And then Perfect <laughs> right, Stranger yeah. Things is now on the Dungeons and Demogorgons feed, which at least you kind of have, you know, it's it's the same show that's being covered. Uh, but, right. but, you know, it's it's different people, and it's hard it's to different tell. Different people, yeah. Hard, hard to tell who yeah. the people are. Which one are you, Steve? Just to let people know, which one are you? I'm A.A. Ron. <laughs> okay, good. Very good. I'm Jim Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> this one's called Sleep Cocoon. I put my earbuds in at night and listen dozing off to a world of streaming nonsense. Thank <laughs> you. This is uh, written by Slappy Conqueso. I think nice. this this guy, he gets it. He gets it. <laughs> Yeah, well, certainly, yeah. Yeah, no, I think he does. I think he understands what, what we're here for. And we're here to put you to sleep. Um, we're like a white noise machine, though Anthony might be a little bit more of like an olive skin noise machine. <laughs> First off, sleep cocoon. I like that he knows how to spell cocoon. But I do want to talk about, you know, whether or not you and I are entertaining enough to keep anyone awake. <laughs> I think the answer is no. Better a sleep aid than a uh, you know an alarm clock, I guess. Do you ever listen to anything while you sleep, or would is silence preferred? Um, just I usually go to, to the sleep of my own tinnitus. Uh huh. Yeah. So it's just ringing in your ears as you sleep. Yeah, it's more of like a, a hiss. Mm. A mm-hmm. Okay. And please join us on our on our other podcast called Hiss and Murmur. Where we discuss all of the parcel tongue characters in the Harry Potter universe. Well, actually, it's just where Anthony hisses and I murmur over it. <laughs> all right, that is all the feedback for this week. If you have a review you'd like to leave for any podcast anywhere, uh, do it over at uh, Double Dragon. We would love to hear a review almost for any podcast. Uh, that would be great. And now a conversation with Professor Ian McInnes. So I'm with Ian McInnes, and Ian, you're a real-life uh, medieval historian, is that right? I am, yes. I, I, I study mostly the, the 14th century uh, and, and medieval Scotland, but I'm I also interested in, particularly in the, the military history of the Middle Ages more generally. And what led you to that um, terrible life decision? 
Oh, to, to, to study medieval history. Yeah. And, um, so it's a good, well, yeah, that's, but that takes me right back to my, to my undergraduate degree. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I started uh, with, a, with a, a dissertation topic, I think, there, and, and then kind of built it from there through my master's and, and beyond. But I suppose it was, it was an attractive period, but also one I thought that was still quite understudied. So it was, uh-huh. it was one that I could, I could see myself carving out a niche in. Okay, now you're interested in uh, Scottish history and, and specifically uh, uh, warfare. Do I have that right? Yeah, so my, my thesis was on war and chivalry during the, the period of the Scottish Wars of Independence. Uh, so I'm kind of most interested in conduct in war and, and how that's exhibited and, and perhaps how that affects the way that war is fought. Uh-huh. Now you tell me if this is uh, relates to your story at all, but my feeling is that most folks who are interested in medieval studies got into it because of some kind of fantasy narrative or they they saw Braveheart or there was something that kind of piqued their imagination. And I'm wondering, did you have sort of a, a less than realistic entry point into this topic? Um, I mean, I suppose I, I always quite enjoyed kind of fantasy literature, which, which, as you say, is often quite medieval. Uh, Adjacent, <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. Um, but, but no, I don't think there was. Although the, the, it was purely accidental, I started my undergraduate degree the year after Braveheart came out. I remember early first year lectures in Scottish history where the the lecturer had to spend significant time uh, telling the students of all the things that were wrong with Braver um, in terms of in terms of accuracy which which, which took quite a while um, so no I, I don't I don't think I have anything like that but but yes I think you know the the, the depiction of of medieval events whether that's on TV and film in comics and and various medium I think uh, mediums certainly does provide a pathway into it for, sure. for people. Although, of course, that can be dangerous as well. Now, where I lived in uh, in Durham, it was at sort of north of Durham in a little little village called Chesley Street, and I had been there for you know since the 12th century, basically. Mm. And I'd go out the you know my back the the cottage door, and I'd see a, a castle. Like it'd be like. Right in the backyard, at least I could see it from the backyard. It was Lumley Castle. And it was weird because I grew up in California and our oldest building is like 1977 or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you can you can go to the missions and, and see older buildings, but it's nothing like going to your, your backyard and seeing a castle. And uh, so I'm just kind of curious, like you, you growing up in Scotland, you know, you would just see a castle here and again on, on the landscape. I'm imagining. Uh, yes, I mean, uh, although I have to say, yes, I, I did. I did quite. Maybe that was one of my entryways into medieval history. I, I did like to visit castles and things, historic monuments generally. Um, my, my part of the world where I grew up, less so. The the the, the, um, the kind of greater Glasgow area only has has one medieval castle, I think. Um, so you, you had to go slightly further afield to to come across mm-hmm. medieval monuments. But 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 yes, we we do have a, a good amount of of still standing structures uh, particularly castles churches and, and cathedrals and things were, were okay so that leads me into a question now i didn't give you this ahead of time i just got this question about 10 minutes ago from a listener okay, okay. this is from darby darby writes in my imagination i blame disneyland 
I think of medieval kings and queens as living in magnificent castles with 200-foot-high turrets and moats and drawbridges. But when I read Beowulf, I get the notion that lots of medieval kings were little more than town mayors with great halls and a big table. Which fantasy is closer to reality? Um I mean, I suppose, I suppose the latter is is more accurate for the early Middle East. Um, you know, when when kings were when kings were warriors uh, first, um, and and I suppose kings second, when you know that their their role was to to form bands of armed men around them and to to lead them into battle, and when the culture was very much infused with. With the various elements surrounding mm-hmm. that, that that included you know keeping your men close, rewarding them, giving them food, feasting, and and things like that. So I mean that that is certainly part of it. I, I think the the Disney esque castle is far more a, a romanticized version of the of I don't know the the eighteenth or the nineteenth century rather than the Middle Ages. But I mean my period of study is is a bit is a bit more advanced than the than the Beowulf example. You know, in the, as the later Middle Ages go on, kings do want to build themselves nicer, bigger castles, uh, particularly they, they invest in castles which have more room for, for apartments and for accommodation, uh, not just for defense. Um, and they, they build things that are, uh, you know, they spend, they lavish a lot of money on in order to show off to visitors. And those visitors mm. will be invited in for feasts and, and events, um, which, which you know, conspicuous consumption is very much a part of what mm-hmm. medieval kings are about to demonstrate part of their power to their subjects, but also to, to visiting dignitaries. You know, when I think of like, um, let's say Edinburgh, if you're in certain parts of the city and you look up to the castle, it does look like it's 200 feet high, yeah. right? Just because of the geography of it. And I'm sure that that's intentionally designed because you don't, yeah. you know, you want to limit any sort of invading army. You want to limit the direction that they can actually uh, attack, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Edinburgh is, is a particular example, sat there on top of that extinct volcano it's it's you're right you, you can see it from pretty much anywhere in the city um i suppose that the, the the perspective that edinburgh gives today as well though is because it's still effectively a base for for military forces uh, and so it's been built up over the centuries so what what you see today is is the accumulation of uh. several centuries of building and rebuilding and refortification so a lot of it is representative of the 17th 18th 19th century rather than the 14th century uh, and, and something similar can be seen at somewhere else like sterling which is another castle on top of a hill that you can see from miles around and historic scotland repainted the great hall in in a, in a quite bright color to represent what it might have looked like in the 15th century, and you can literally see it from from miles away. Mm. Um, but 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 yes, it's it, it's slightly similar. Again, uh, again, you have a castle that started off as a as a, a medieval uh, castle, which would have been relatively simple at its at its outset, but which has been added to over the centuries. So so yes, what what you're seeing today is the accumulation of that over a long period mm-hmm. of time. So when like. When people are watching House of the Dragon and they see King's Landing, and King's Landing just looks like this. I mean, it, it really does look like a castle out of fantasy literature mm. more than medieval history. I mean, would there be examples of something that was that uh, grandiose on the landscape of, you know, 
you know, 14th century Europe. Well, I, I suppose, though, that King's Landing is an interesting example because, you know, the, the, the castle itself is part of a wider set of defences or else I've always seen it that way. You know, it's, 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 there is the town itself, which is walled, and then there's the castle at its, mm-hmm. at its kind of heart. Um, and I think, you know, as, as time goes on, medieval cities, as they develop, will, some of them at least, will have those types of defences. Um, you will certainly get that on the continent with with the the building of of, of urban walls to protect the, the town or the city, and then with a a prominent fortification at its heart. I was also thinking of somewhere like like Dover, although it's different uh, in terms of it. It's not a city, but but it has multiple levels of fortification dating back to even to Roman times and extending right the way through history. But again, that kind of multi layered defence with a big keep at the centre. Which is which is what what the the, the main castle at, at King's Landing is quite like, um, you know, is is not unheard of. Uh, it's perhaps a particularly, as you say, a glamorized example. Mm-hmm. Um, but but at its heart, it's not necessarily as different as all that. Right. Thinking of about like Dragonstone, that's completely surrounded by water, mm. and I mean, every now and again, you'll get a castle that is strategically located because of geography like like for instance Durham Castle has a it's basically a peninsula there's a river yeah. that's sep- you know that's basically on almost that goes all the way loops all the way around it mm. it makes it more difficult uh to to get at it um but i'm also thinking of every now and again you'll find a castle that is either oceanside or when the tide comes in it's completely surrounded by water can you think of anything that's a little bit like Dragonstone? Uh, I think one of the one of the ones I suppose I thought of were, were some of the the ones on the Northumbrian coast. Um, I mean, you, you do get various kind of coastal castles. Um, actually, one of the ones in Scotland would be um, would be Dunstaffnage. Uh, it's not it's not like a, a massive fortress or anything, but but it does have that that location on the coast it, it's built on top of this kind of plug of natural rock and it almost looks when you look up at it it's like it, it grows out of the of the of the natural stone <laughs> sure you, you can be, you, you struggle to see where where the castle starts and where, where the rock ends uh, and there are castles dotted around the, the scottish coast um which are, are quite similar um as well but we we do also have up here we have um island castles as well i was recently at, at lock and Dorb castle which is situated uh you were referring before we started to nephi bridge it's, it's near there um and it's 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 in a loch it's on an island in a loch in the middle of the highlands and and is a is a fantastic location although i wouldn't like to have been besieged in it as as the people <laughs> who i'm currently studying were um over over a winter <laughs> We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. 
Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Steve, how do you feel about indiscriminate massacres? If you're going to do a massacre. I think it should be indiscriminate. Otherwise, it's not a massacre. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess so, right? Because I, I mean, I guess you could. When it's all said and done, uh, the more the more methodical a massacre, uh, it turns into mass murder at some point. Yeah, right. I mean, if if it's if it's indiscriminate and feels more like a melee, uh, and I think a melee. There should be a melee defense in court. Your <laughs> Honor, what we're talking about here, it's more than just a semantic argument. It, the, the, the prosecution wants to, to paint this picture as a massacre. When we're just looking at a melee. So, yeah, melee, melee even the word even sounds a little bit more benign. Well, because it almost because it has may in front of it. So it almost seems like, mm-hmm. like yeah, we're maybe. not sure. It may be a melee. I mean, it's a melee. I mean, it, <laughs> it's much easier to to be flip about the word melee than massacre. Yeah, it's, you can't it's be like, softer. ah, it's a massacre. Sure, phonetically, it's softer. Yeah, melee. but a melee, you're like people. And as soon as you've got the jury going, well, I guess, I guess maybe it is a bit of a melee, huh? And then you don't even have to even just you don't have to explain that a melee still could be a bad thing. But what you've done is you've softened it. You've softened terms. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting to me because we have sort of a a flip flop of that, right? Like it's it's a lesser crime for manslaughter than murder. <laughs> yeah, manslaughter sounds so much worse. Manslaughter. <laughs> I mean, I guess because the word laughter is sort of embedded in there. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, I think just, you're you're a pronunciation away from going. Look, it's first degree man's laughter. <laughs> See, there's an example like and you giggled and then that, if you get the jury kind of yeah. like if you if you go up there and like you intentionally make a mistake and then they don't know like you go up there, look, we're talking about first degree man's laughter. And they're like, oh, he doesn't even know. How. Like, sorry, I just looked at it the way it is crazy word. Right now you've got the jury on your side going, huh? I never even yeah. thought of it that way. I never thought of that. Yeah, well, I'm going to really pay attention. I'm going to pay attention to this defense attorney because he's got some fun little uh, little things he's teaching me. <laughs> ah, dude, the prosecutor's so boring. Hasn't been one play on words. 
I think as soon as you have people thinking about word choice and not about the murderous event that just happened, mm. you, you've you've done some some serious jury work with that. <laughs> so, so, all right, this is the all right. Here we go. <laughs> there's two ways to look at this episode. Here right? we go. This is a slip and slide that like. That that is fun until you realize that you've run out of slide and it's just dry grass. Until you've run out of slide and you realize it's dragon fire and murder. <laughs> yeah, they're like for the next fifty minutes. They're like, okay, now there's a there's a kiddie pool of water that this is going to dump into. Oh wait, or was it hot diarrhea? <laughs> Jeez. Well, I guess we'll find out once we get there. Uh, um, this is. Yeah, uh, I feel like okay. There's two ways to look at this. One is. You could look at this as the penultimate episode to the entire series, in which case we might talk about, like, historically the way that episode nines would would usually function. Sure. Um, And boy, there were a lot of, you know, prominent deaths in this uh, episode, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And how it can, you know, set up for the final final episode. Uh, But normally, the penultimate episodes of Game of Thrones have been... I mean, that's a pretty high bar, right? Yeah, yeah. Sure. And uh, I think in a lot of ways, this penultimate episode was... It had, it had some things going for it. It had some fatal flaws. Uh, the other way you can look at this is that you can say, okay, this was the episode that everyone hated. Like, everybody hated and so then the question is, was it was it hate worthy? Right. So which one do you want to do first here? Um let's do the first first and then let's talk about was it hate worthy second. All right, okay. I'll tell you what, the first I would say first twenty minutes of this episode mm-hmm. was brilliant. I mean, and I was just making notes and callbacks and themes that are coming to fruition and, you know, reversal of fortunes between key characters and amazing acting performances. And, of course, you're going to hear me wish that that was its own episode. Mm -hmm. But I thought everything from Varys writing his letter until, like, Tyrion and Jaime saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. I thought that was... That was all A plus. Okay. All I, I I loved every bit of it. What comes after that is just full on battle massacre chaos. And uh I think that that's the I think that the, the elements that really gave this a low score happened in the let's say the last two thirds of this episode. Which is a which is a full episode essentially. Which is a, which is really the penultimate episode, right? Yeah, so. because if you've added the the twenty minutes, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and you like the first twenty, uh, you yeah. didn't you didn't like this episode, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So that was my sense of it, and I'm so you were you. So you you're know, back. You were you, built you, up. You were built up in a in a very strange way for this. Sure episode. was. Uh, you were built up thinking. This is going to be so bad, I might actually like it. Yeah. What did I tell you? My worst fear was out of all of this. Do you remember that it would that you'd walk away and say that yeah, was fine. Yeah. My That's worst, how you feel. My worst fear came true. 
Yeah, no, that was the worst thing that could have happened. Right. And and th- it, honestly, the fact that it wasn't worse made it worse for you. For sure. <laughs> for sure. That's it's 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 not a position I've ever encountered before. It's so bizarre because uh, I couldn't, and so we talked about like ways that uh, the last two episodes were improved for me, so I had a better experience than most. Right, so yeah, I, sure, I, I, sure. I turned on Vivid on my TV, and then yeah, they yeah. digitally removed the Starbucks cup. So two of the major sure. uh, qualms I didn't experience. So I'm experiencing something different. So now I'm also experiencing this episode differently than everybody else was. When you're tuning in and you have all your watch parties, and you cancel yeah. plans, <laughs> and you probably made a whole day out of it. It's probably like a Super Bowl type thing, right? You you know you have two weeks of this. Mm. And you're all fired up. You've got casual fans that you brought into the fray. People that have been sort of like, I watched a few episodes. I'm trying to catch up. Right? You know, people talking and and uh, theorizing all day over you know gin and tonics. And, yeah, or, you're you know, on Reddit forums. Yeah, you're listening yeah. to podcasts. And then the first 20 minutes are gone, and people are like, okay, all right, all right. Now we're now we're cooking. And then and then it happens. And now I'm sure you've got people just sort of just kind of stunned and doing like a what the hell and because you know can't pause it right as far as i I imagine right you're watching it live um (laughs) and uh and they're just they're just soaking it on so i don't have that i have hey you're about to get super disappointed and i'm like "Well, we'll see so so i have what not everybody else had which was i mean even the night before i watched this I was uh, doing an outdoor comedy show with a guy who started it right around the same time I did. And, uh, and then he finished it a while ago. He just sort of went for it, right? He wasn't, he wasn't bound by the rules of podcasting. And, um, and so he's, you know, he was a reluctant viewer. So he was kind of into it, but I don't, you know, and his take was, where are you at? I said, Oh, I got two episodes left. He's like, Oh, dude, you're gonna hate him. <laughs> and, <laughs> It's like, I can't get anything. I mean, I can't get one person to be like, hey, you might be surprised. I haven't heard one person. And so so now I'm built up in a way that everybody, in the opposite of the way everybody yeah. else is built up. Everybody else is like, here it comes. I'm so excited. This is like Christmas. And I'm over here going, yeah, let's see how bad it is. And I'm like, oh, it's it's okay. I, I did like the first 20 minutes. Um, I felt like it was... Uh, uh, effective. There were some issues I had, which is um, Tyrion letting Jamie go after he already had to basically tell the Unsullied Guard, uh, I'm going to go in there. And so it's like, well, that's the brother. He went in there and I was just gone. And then we never, it was never seemed to be mentioned again. Like, like nobody was like, oh crap, do you have the Kingslayer? No, no, I thought you had the Kingslayer. Like there was none of that, right? He's just, he just mm-hmm. goes and, and Tyrion's already on thin ice um yeah you think that jamie lannister the reason you haven't why she didn't have him killed again didn't have him killed is because he he's some sort of leverage right or he's either leverage or he's revenge he's the he's well, your miss sandy yeah my take on that was that danny is not there she's she's a dragonstone and she's not going to show up with her dragons a lot later so Tyrion's kind of the guy in charge at this encampment so who are you going to go complain to? Like, hey, the Kingslayer's gone. You're not going to complain to anyone that has no. any rank over Tyrion. No, and that's true. And but also, it's like, then why? Why didn't she? She cooked Varys. She threatens Tyrion with mm-hmm. just the fact that that uh, Jamie was even caught. What's your end game with Jamie? 
Why, you know, Danny's Danny's cooking fools now. So why did she I think keep he him knows. Alive? I think that Tyrion knows he's going to get cooked. I, I think. But then he's why? Just like, yeah. I'm going to do it. I got to do it because this is the only. This is like the the one percent possibility of ending this thing. Yeah, I don't necessarily have a problem with his motivation. I guess, but I'm just thinking like there's there had to have been. I thought there'd be a little bit more immediate fallout because at some point they're like, dude, he's gone, and and that right, never. Let's seen. talk about the major issue. All right. The major issue that I think most of people, most people that hated this episode were upset with what, what happened with Danny. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, she just keeps murdering and murdering yeah. and murdering and murdering. I mean, it just it goes on forever. Right. It's like, can, can we ha- get a reprieve? I mean, I, I, just like a little Hannibal Lecter moment would, would actually feel like a reprieve at this point. <laughs> Like at least with Hannibal Lecter, we got a little you know break between murders. I feel like in the same way that people didn't like Jamie shunning Brienne and going back to his hateful life with Cersei, mm. I think people were thinking, no, we have too much invested in Danny's ultimate salvation mm. that we don't want to view her as a villain. And in this in this episode, she goes full villain, right? Yeah. And I kind of felt like they had dropped a lot of hints along the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, So, all right. So first things first for me is that did you watch the, uh, uh, you know, before on Game of Thrones? No, I didn't. We usually don't. But but I I considered it just because Mm -hmm. I noticed, I think I watched a couple and realized that it doesn't just tell you what happened right before. It's sort of trying to tie you into giving you breadcrumbs to where you're where you're headed. Right. I think that that's I really think that that's what they were trying to do with that particular And it's of... interesting they started doing this later in the seasons which kind of suggests we aren't going to do as much as we have in the past to sort uh, of fill in those blanks. So guys, yeah. here's your here's here's some here's some, you know, cheat sheet, here's some notes for you guys. Well, it's, which it's is kind of like nice actually. It's not a terrible thing cuz there's a lot If you weren't following the conversations between Varys and Tyrion up until this point where it's like, Hey, you know what? She could be, she could be crazy. She could, right, be, right. you know, she could go into a murderous rage just like her father or whatever. Then what they did for that previously on game of Thrones, little portion is they, they went back and they talked, there were like tons of little clues that they replayed. You all, you got to hear like people say, well, you know what they say about the Targaryens, the gods slip a coin. Right, right. 50% of the time, these guys come out as the Mad King. And you almost went back to, they, they actually went back to her older brother who said, you don't want to wake the dragon. Right. And that's kind of how they ended. Kind of, I thought, effectively telling us, hey, guess what? You're about to wake the dragon. Yeah, and, and you're gonna and see it, something that, well, that we've been, been hinting yeah. at, but it, it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a whole dragon. There's did they did they dragon. do the Lady Olena be a dragon moment? And they that, didn't do that one. No, which, they didn't. Do which that is one. which I think is pretty valuable because I think that there is something. Mm-hmm. I think what's what's really cool about that particular sequence is, um, you know, it's it's woman to woman. Yeah, that's right. um, it's. It, it is appealing to her power. It's appealing to her, um, you know, best. 
it, it appeals a lot to the thing. And, you know, and meanwhile, like you could make the argument like, well, Lady Olena's about to die you know, pretty soon eventually yeah, right yeah. so so what's her advice and Danny there? really hasn't had any motherly figures in her life right like like not ever yeah yeah and there and there certainly aren't any women in her life with the exception of lady like miss sandy that are saying uh you got this you know it, everything else is like ah, you know let's let's validate mm-hmm. you need to be validated through marriage all these different things and she's like i want to break the wheel and the only way to break the wheel is on my terms and every, all these men who are still sort of tied to their families or tied to tradition. They're really not that interested in seeing the wheel broken. I think that we find out what, what she means by the wheel is murder everyone. Yes, 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 yes. I want to, it, it's just shorthand. Break the wheel means murder everyone. So, so fair to say that the, one of the, the larger objections, as I think you mentioned is, uh, Hey, we've been, all in on this idea that Danny's going to make everything better. And this is significantly worse. <laughs> um, so do people feel like, well, then what were you doing? Why? Like, like did if they feel like, Oh, well, this is just a, a misdirection for misdirection's sake. Like, Hey, you ran out of cool ideas. Mm-hmm. You didn't know how to end it. So let's, let's just flip the expectation. Is that the thought? That what that what some of the reaction was, or I think some people were like really like curious, like this can't be what you had planned all along, was it? And see, I I, I really think it was. I mean, I, I think it I think it was, and I think that this was part of George Martin's overall outline. Even simple things like in George Martin's world, super blonde hair bespeaks someone that you can't trust. Mm. Um, now. There are exceptions, of course, because Tyrion's supposed to have super platinum hair or whatever. Yeah. But um, I think that, I mean, even little things like that, little things, you know, we all the way back to season one where it's like, she burned that witch. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that witch, Miriam Mazdor had a great, <laughs> she had actually a, a great point, you know. Her, and she was defending yeah. herself and her tribe, and Danny just like, no, I'm gonna burn you alive. Yeah, her issues in that, you know, I mean, like she she crucified all the the leaders, and there was this like there was some pushback from that. She locked. She didn't just lock um, uh, Doxos von Doc, Duxos or whatever. Right, right, yeah. She she didn't just lock him in his own vault. She locked one of her own servant girls. Yeah, yeah. In that vault. So, I mean, she can be cold-blooded. And it's interesting because you compare it, like, to Cersei, right? And, and there's this... And I think the show did a really good job of this uh, because um, because for people to not see that means that the show is doing a pretty good job of sort of, I think, juxtaposing those types of things with something worse by somebody else mm-hmm. so that it's easy to kind of forget those moments. And then you sort of... Because you've decided... And this is, I think, a fascinating concept of, of how the world of game of thrones like the meta part of it is if you're inclined to be on someone's side you're inclined to be on their side so you're going to see her that's locking right. so you know locking duck sauce away and being like yeah that's what you get 
But if Cersei takes uh, the, a, the Dornish woman and poisons her daughter and everything, even if you don't like that that particular person, that is yeah. so over the top cruel that you're like, geez, man, Cersei's a monster. It's like, well, okay, how is that? That's not that different from the other part, right? I mean, and I think that that's where maybe, and this is me maybe critiquing the average fan. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure a message board will, will hate me at some point when that's the hope, right, to get to, to be message board worthy. Um, <laughs> But the idea that, like, well, just because you weren't paying attention doesn't mean that this ending so far is bad, uh, you know, just because you were like, well, I didn't. Yeah, I think that the, the other part of it was there's a certain uh, on the critical side of it. It's like there's a critique of, oh, so we can't have a we can't have a woman president because she's going to. Sure. Yeah. That's, she's going to snap. She's going to she's going to go crazy and and press the nuclear bomb is that what you're saying you know that right and i think that and i and so here's the thing about expectation right and i think that this this is something that has felt like it potentially was a a very pro feminist uh show and to some degree i mean obviously there's a lot of other uh hateful well, we harmful even things made that yeah we've even made that observation like who, who do we have well we have yara we have sansa we we have Arya, we have cersei Danny, we Danny. have cersei like there was a lot of a lot of powerful queens in this show right. right right and so and if and if martin and again this is and, and the showrunners and this this is again maybe doing a close reading and bailing out that which doesn't need to be bailed out or making excuse because again this could be the same kind of thing the same critique that i'm giving on the fan who's like well i've been excusing danny's behavior when really it's been pretty bad because i've been thinking that it was she's still good i could be doing mm-hmm. the same thing for like hey you gave me you know, seven and a half seasons of absolute magic. I'm going to try to bail you guys out and maybe you don't deserve it um, on these endings. But I, I think there's something to be said for the idea of pursuit of power. Right. And that's how I've been mm-hmm. seeing the game of Thrones being a lesson, or at least that's the sort of the moral of the story, right. Is this pursuit of power and the idea that like, Oh, well, now switching over to women, it'll get better. It's like, why do you think that fighting for power is somehow um, better if we, if we swap the genders? Uh, the idea that it's that power power won't corrupt anybody is sort of a foolish notion. And I think that that there's a long game that you could say is being played here where you're just like, okay, cool. This is going to be a woman empowering thing. Now, again, the critique could be like, well, she just snapped. Well, but so did the Mad King. Um, yeah. The suggestion being that it didn't matter who was at the throne. The power, the power, you either are going to be lazy with power, which makes you dangerous, or you're going to be uh, drunk with power, which makes you dangerous. The, the problem is the power. I mean, I, th- I think it's even worse than that. I think that they set this up as these Targaryens think that they are a higher form of life. Like they are higher species. They have magic blood. They don't think that they are ruled by the same ethics of everyone else. And they think that by the virtue of their birth, they should rule everyone else. Right. That's not someone that I want to root for. Exactly. No, and I think so. so. And, and to the point where we, we saw it firsthand when as soon as Jon Snow threatens that, because if she believes that, if that's a Targaryen belief, and then he comes along and it's like, well, now I don't like you because yeah. if I believe this, then I have to believe this of you. That's right. <laughs> and if I have to believe this of you, I actually have to be subservient to you. And I've come too far to do that. I'm not, I'm, I don't bend the knee. Knees bend to me. And, and I would rather have my own, either my nephew needs to just deal with it and become my, you know, my first man or whatever. It's, I, 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 I don't know. I just, I, I think I could argue that this is, um, it's abrupt. Well, uh, all right. I'm glad that you said that word abrupt. 
Do you think that this season would have been helped by a little bit slower pacing and maybe one more episode that leads to Danny's ultimate dark side or something like that? I do. I think I think you can. I think if you made this a full I know I understand that there's this the idea of like well maybe the time wise it still is a full season but I think I think there's something to be said for making it a full ten episodes that are even sixty minutes long because it sort of forces you to to create an arc per episode mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think by yeah. doing by doing that by 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 shortening shortening it to six even though you've made each episode longer the arcs that you normally deal with from episode to episode you've mm-hmm. actually got less of those and you find out how important those are because those become little uh, like stepping stones to the final part of the season and in this case it makes it even more necessary I think to have more stepping stones so in this case you have five stepping stones to a finale and and that's that's half even if it's more time that you're spending per episode like you could easily have turned this episode into two I get the idea that she was burning the city I don't know that I need to keep seeing her burn the city to get the idea oh and guess what um I don't know if people cared about as much about a hound versus mountain battle enough to draw that out um, hmm. Hmm. Uh, and so that's it's, to me that was those are the kind of miscalculations where you're like I didn't you can't this the same argument that we have is like how do you follow up the long night with uh, getting back to the intrigue of the throne and they did it you know and, and there were some issues with that episode but they they pulled it off the idea that you are going to embed in this carnage when we're all just kind of wrestling with whoa Danny's the bad guy and then you're like oh but let's see how the hound gets back at his brother I'm like I don't care like that is at that time that that is not the time or place for that. And to I, make you know, it so I think dram- I, remember, I remember thinking that too. I think in my rewatch, I was kind of more into the Klee Gang Bowl than, than I was in, in the, the first time around. Well, and probably because you had, since you already knew what was going to happen and you sort of reconciled with that, mm-hmm. it's that's easier right. to watch some of the peripheral, right? So that's the thing is I'm in the midst of watching this massive character shift and dealing with the fallout of that and watching you know, innocents die. And then, so at this point you're like, well, why do I have to care more about whether or not the hound gets his revenge on his brother when I'm watching mothers being slain in the street? I did feel that way about the Jamie, the uh, Jamie Euron battle. Yeah. The thing nobody asked for. I was like, what, wait, why, why do I care about this? Right. And so that's another, I think it was a bit of a miscalculation that could have maybe still been done if you, took more time throughout the season because at this point it's like you could have cooked your on and that have been it for me and I'm, I'm fine um the idea right, that you sent me a text you said um there are a lot of songs that mention whippoorwills <laughs> yes <laughs> that was not the one i was thinking of <laughs> it's um, true though there are in fact there's a song about a whippoorwill that I don't even think you've heard. I'll, I'm going to send it to you. I imagine. I was just looking up how many songs mention Whippoorwills, and there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of songs that have Whippoorwill in the title. First off, whoa. I mean, is this is this? Now you want to talk about underrated, overrated, or, or aptly rated Whippoorwill? I would have said before, dude, that's got to be underrated. But now that I realize how many songs mention them, I'm like, hmm, maybe we're giving this bird a little too much. Whippoorwill is like, it's a word that contains an alliteration. I I mean honestly it's mm-hmm. I it, it may I'm not sure if it's onomatopoeia but I'm willing it, to I think it is I, I last night uh, I listened to the cry of the whippoorwill uh-huh. and it does uh-huh. sound like whippoorwill whippoorwill 
Anyway. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you said, okay, that episode has multiple issues, big issues, but not so bad. Yep. So, all right, let's talk about the big issues. We've, we've definitely talked about a couple. Yeah, yeah. What were your big issues? Uh, I did have a problem with so I I so this is Heather was like, why is Tyrion have to say his bell plan this many times? It felt a bit like first off, she didn't think it was a good plan, mm-hmm. and I kind of agreed that it was like, all right, this is. I mean, Tyrion keeps gripping, and maybe that's part of the maybe that's part of the necessary narrative, but um, it just. It, 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 I I think I was more of like I was more of the I saw the Danny turn coming, but the Tyrion erosion into just sort of kind of flailing plans. I'm going to defend it in a second, but I but I'm also going to say my my visceral reaction to me that was the bigger disappointment in terms of what a show was doing to a character in order to what I felt move the plot along. Hmm. Um. That said, you know, we've been talking about the, uh, the, the growing naivete of Tyrion over the last few episodes um, and the idea that he's, he's maybe he is gripping for, for the sake of the Lannisters. Maybe King's Landing is more than just the people of King's Landing and it is more of the Lannister family and that matters more to him than we realize. But it just doesn't seem like the guy who shoots his dad on the toilet gets to that point right like it, it's i could see him going darker than i could see him softening towards the lannisters i guess so that part so becomes if i understand you right you think that his what's your issue with him repeating his plan the the bell plan again well first off i think the plan's kind of kind of wonky um, tell me more about wonky um I, I don't know why he thinks it would it's gonna work i mean and i don't know why everybody's on board with it or at least seeming to be you think that even even after he pitches it to Danny and she says yes that he should be smart enough to know yes that it's not going to work right i don't know why and 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 i guess that that's sort of but I, but there is a part of it that does work in kind of looking back which is the sense of he's just he's got no moves left and so all he has is hope and even even the Varys and him moment is like even mm. Varys says well i hope i'm wrong because if I'm wrong, then she is the right leader. I hope I deserve this. Truly, I do. I hope I'm wrong. And that's right. And, and so I'm, there, and I've betrayed the right leader. Right. And so that be, that that I think. And so so I, I guess the Tyrion thing. It seems like it's frustrating on one hand, but maybe it's supposed to be frustrating. Is that he's mm. just he doesn't have a plan to thwart this, and um, and I think I think there's you know here I am I'm about to defend Weiss and Benioff in my critique. Um, Tyrion's us. Tyrion's the viewer. Uh, we've 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 been <laughs> we've been following this this queen's trajectory thinking she's the right one. She's the right one. Mm-hmm. And even as things started to fall apart, we're like, yeah, but I mean, she's still the right one. I, I can forgive this. Oh, yeah. Burning the Tarleys. That was pretty rough, but like, Hey, yeah, she's that, better than Cersei for she's sure. Better right? than Cer- so we do that. So you start going through this. Right. And then, so you're like, and then he's like, ah, you know, he's gripping. He's like, no, 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 this is, this is fine. This is fine. He's a little dog in the burning house. This is fine. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I can fix it. I can fix it. And then so we're defend it and we defend her and we defend her and we defend her. And then she burns everything down and we're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, 
was I an idiot for falling into this? And so there is, I guess there is a sense that, that, that Tyrion's, Tyrion's decay uh, almost is a meta decay for us, right? As, as fans. Um, well, Perhaps. here's a character that has, you know, famously been a cynic, right? And then he chooses to put his faith in this sort of god woman, mm. uh, you know, Greek goddess, basically. And it turns out that she's a monster. Right. And uh, I thought, okay, that's interesting. I mean, that's interesting to me. The other thing that's interesting to me, and I don't know if this is just my reading or whether this was intentional, but remember way back in the day when. Jamie was having that final conversation with Tyrion when Tyrion was going to be executed. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how the bells kind of corresponded right. to Cousin Orson's thudding or whatever. Right, right, right. Well, the bells opened up a conversation about how the gods are unpredictable. I wonder if there's something of a parallel here. Mm. It's like he's put his, his faith in this Greek goddess and she's turned out to be a monster and af- after all like what are really the difference between gods and monsters right and so i wonder if the bells sort of have some sort of symbolic import so the bell the bell rings and well it's, the... it's Tyrion putting a, a, his unjustified faith in a goddess well and weren't the bells ringing <laughs> weren't the bells ringing at his to say his trial and his yeah, yeah. his pending execution that's right. So yeah. the bells here, which are supposed to be the surrender, in a way, yeah. do does that very thing again. It's the bells. That's exactly indicate. right. Yeah. So so symbolically, yeah. And this is a good conversation. So here's so I guess here's the thing, right? So I mean, overall, I'm like watching. I don't have a problem with her. I mean, obviously, I have a problem with her burning everybody down. I know that I've always on record saying child sacrifices. You, you a just a place. you just wish that Shireen was around. <laughs> I wanted her to be resurrected so she could get burned again. Um, <laughs> the so I I mean I when. I didn't feel like betrayed by this character. I felt like, yeah, this yeah, is kind of where I we're going. I think going. so. You're different because a lot of people felt betrayed by yeah. it. A lot of people felt like, I don't like what you're saying about about women. Sure, no, I, and that critique is fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that that was the point, right? I think I That's think right. that I think there was a I think it was a necessary dupe mm-hmm. um, because the bigger critique isn't about men in power; it's about power. You know, mm-hmm. and it's about right. and, and putting your putting your faith in somebody with power and following them despite their clear. Yeah. Uh, and Daly's proven that power is power is everything. Right. It's not mm-hmm. about the rightful leader of the throne. If if that was the case, it'd be John. Right. Right. It's not about, you know, saving the innocents or whatever, breaking the wheel. It's, that's not her. Her thing is power. And and a great that line. is the story that they were telling. And right? her great line, I think, was when she's when she talks about how, you know, yeah, there's tens of thousands of innocents, but I'm talking about I'm talking about saving generations to come. And this is this these are the eggs you got to break to make that omelet. Mm. And and I think that's that right. that's and that's how people in power, man or woman, uh, convince themselves that the atrocities that they allow or even create, it's for the greater good. Mm-hmm. And I think, but I think that the show would have been better if they had taken that extra episode, better established a little bit of empathy for Danny. I would rather have her end as a conflicted character where you're like, I can kind of see her point of view. Like, mm-hmm. I can kind of see why she made the decisions that she made rather than everyone turning on her at the end, like, oh, whoa, she's a monster. Right. No, I so get it. I, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of monsters in this show. I mean, you could say Littlefinger is certainly a monster. Mm-hmm. 
um, you could say that a lot of people are monsters. But you still, this show's really good at taking someone like Jamie and then creating empathy for that character. Mm -hmm. I would have liked to see like one more episode here in the middle that really establishes Danny's point of view so that she's making a calculated decision rather than like, go, she's going crazy at the end. Yes, I guess I just, I feel like that was okay for me. And maybe it's because. Maybe it's because, and I, I I do think it was abrupt. I do think that there was a lot that could be, that, that it would have been, that it would have benefited from, mm-hmm. from fleshing that out a little bit more. But sure. And again, I have, I, I do have a different viewing experience than others also because we do a little, we do this type of postmortem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there's lots of, there were lots of fan boards and all these different things that people could discuss. Uh, but I, I, uh, we talked a lot about the altru the the false altruism of Danny. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and I thought the show. So on one hand, you're like, hey, and it, I'll be honest, I did that on purpose. And I'm sure you did. Um, but I didn't. But I didn't feel like I was that you were leading the witness because I was like, I was seeing that. I I saw it. Yeah. With the I'm like, yeah. I mean, a little bit leading the witness. I mean, I was kind of like. Th- these are things that I was noticing on the rewatch mm-hmm. and thinking, actually, they're laying a pretty good pretty good track yeah yeah no and i think it and yeah maybe you let it maybe you know i don't but i mean it, it was pretty clear to me that yeah th- that so when you say maybe one more episode i'm like if you want a benefit of the doubt of her perspective i watched it the moment we saw her we mm-hmm. went through her whole journey and what she's had to go through and and there those breadcrumbs they were laid pretty well mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so when when lady olena says be a dragon i'm like that's a problematic statement, and I that that one stuck with me a lot because I'm like, mm-hmm. well, what do dragons do? Yeah, dra- dragons, dragons eat whoever they want. Right, dragons do. They right? don't consult Tyrion. <laughs> so that to me, to me, that was that was the turning point for so, me. So, like I, I said, I really like the beginning of this episode. Here are the things that I major things that didn't work for me in the second half. And f- the first is just a really simple one. Like, I don't believe that the Lannisters have 300 scorpions. Right. And are only using three of them. They have 300 scorpions, and they also have really ornate lion heads on them, I feel like. They went to a lot of trouble to really detail, put the detail work into the scorpions. My 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 criticism of, of uh, the 1989 Batman um, <laughs> is... is... Gosh, the, the Joker's marketing team is real fast. They work really fast. <laughs> I mean, to get logos, to get helicopters fitted with the logos, mm-hmm. to get a helicopter. <laughs> I mean, there's just there's so many different aspects of like everything is branded immediately. <laughs> and you know what? It wasn't going to be the Joker. He he just happened to have a friend who had all of this kind of like. He was like a DJ, and his nickname was the Joker. And <laughs> right. He had all this junk laying around. He's like, "I've got this merch. I don't know. You, you might decide to just use this because I'm not using the nickname anymore." <laughs> I mean, there's the where does he get those wonderful toys? Like, Dude, you have a flower that shoots acid. You have fake teeth that are on like a fishing string that can hold your weight like a bungee cord. <laughs> You're doing okay, bro. <laughs> you got some toys, man. You got some. You got balloons. Filled with Smilex. 
so so i will say like that was a, like so a little thing that sort of put me off was as soon as they see the scorpion with like this you know adorned lion's head on it i'm like that was a priority huh <laughs> yeah it's more of a priority to get the lion head on there than to actually get 200 people to man the scorpions on the wall like right. how many unmanned scorpions do you have yeah or and, how, i mean and th- just- this dragon comes out of nowhere are you only pointing the scorpions one direction? Right. Like, like why wouldn't you just say, okay, look, here's how we're going to position them. Have you put them. blinders on all of the soldiers right. so they can only look in one direction? If we position them all in a certain way and we launch at the same exact time, there's nowhere in the air she can be. You know what I mean? Like, there's that kind of concept, too, if you have that many. Basically, it's the Star Wars defense, the, the Reagan Star yeah. Wars defense. That, that, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you have. So so that was really, like, they all were like, shoot one direction. Great. So I could overlook that. I mean, it it was one of those things. It's like you figure you could. Here's the thing. You could figure she's better at navigating now that she expects it. Maybe. right? Yeah. No, I've I put up with a lot of stormtrooper fire. I could probably I could probably deal with this. And, you know, when you know, when you come face to face with the dragon, you think you can score. You can sure you can scorpion a dragon skull in the basement. But man. okay, And in. All right. So in defense of the scorpion, when they took down. Regal. Mm. Regal was kind of wounded. Like they, they did they did tell us like he's injured, but he's gonna be fine. He's mm. you know, he's not he's not a hundred percent. Right, we didn't even know if he'd live to be And Drogon is just you know, Drogon is he's a super duper beast dragon. or whatever. Yeah, he's a <laughs> he's, dragon. He's a good dragon. Okay. The other thing that didn't that was a pretty pretty major for me was Okay, so Danny's upset, and she's like, you, you know, you've seen a lot of, a lot of work on her face. Like she's trying to communicate, like, I'm pretty pissed, mm. and I'm just gonna keep killing people until I'm not pissed. But she goes for Cersei last. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're pissed at Cersei, why not just go for Cersei? Yeah, she doesn't. She's not in a corn maze. She's on a dragon. Yeah, so uh, so what happens is she's pissed at Cersei, and so what she thinks is, I think I'm going to kill a thousand people indiscriminately before I go for Cersei. That she probably doesn't even care about, right? And, I mean, and how does she know that Cersei's not, like, running away? Like, right. Like, if you want to kill Cersei, go kill Cersei. Well, so here's here's a defense of that, and this is right. that's a loose defense. One, um, she going a little cuckoo. Yeah, um, that, well, that's the story that they're trying to tell, right? But but also, um, she's been getting a lot of advice that she's sort of over, and one of those is, if you kill everybody, you're just as bad as Cersei. You're just as bad as the Mad King. Whatever you do, don't kill everybody. Don't so to the point where you start feeding it enough to where if you're getting tired of people telling you what to do. And the one thing they keep telling you right now is that you're a monster. If you do this, you might be like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get, I'm I'm gonna get back at you too. I'll do what I want because if I don't, then I'm sh- now I'm sh- now I'm showing deference to you, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to show deference to me. Mm-hmm. The other part of that is where she she wants to ruin Cersei on every level. The whole point of the, of of her agreeing to the original to the second negotiation was, hey, if I end up having to kill people because of war, 
let everybody, they'll all know Cersei had the chance to save him and she didn't. Mm-hmm. So, so there's the other side of it, right? So Cersei, Cersei's legacy or whatever, she's like, I also have to protect myself on this throne. And so if people can look back and, hey, why do we think that Danny is, is better? Because Cersei was worse. That was the, that was sort of the false uh, justification <laughs> we told ourselves. Yes. So if she goes in there and she does, ex- she's a, hey, if I kill you, Cersei could have stopped it, but she didn't. So Cersei's still worse somehow. That's right. So yeah. there's an, so I think, so that's my, that's my sort of like, okay with it. Logistically, you know, strategically, no, it's a dumb move. Um, but there's also the sense of like, if I wipe out all of her scorpions and I wipe out a good chunk of her people and all of her army and then she survives, oh, what's she going to do? What is she yeah. going to do? You know what I get to do? I get to put her, worst case, I capture her, put her on trial, put her on trial for the death of everybody that I just killed. You know, yeah. there, there, there is a, I, I think that again, am I making the justification? Sure. But I mean, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all we have. We mm-hmm. We've been doing this. We've been doing close readings of this. Yeah, of the I, guess, story. I guess I'm thinking like if, she, if the story that they're trying to tell is that she's in a fit of rage and she snaps. And I think that is the story that they're trying to tell. Which they've told that story with Jon Snow before. When they when Battle of the Bastards, he kind of turns into like this animal creature mm-hmm. on the battlefield. And he comes up over this ridge and he sees Ramsay mm-hmm. and he's just animal like. And like the, the after the episode features, that that was the language that they used. Like he just snapped. And all he could see was Ramsay and how he was going to murder Ramsay. Okay, so that's fine. Is she calculating and she wants this end game with Cersei that's dramatic and all of that business? Or is she enraged and wants vengeance? Because if it's the second thing, and I think that that's what they're trying to say, mm. then go right for Cersei. You yeah. Know? See, Laser guess, beam focus on Cersei. And maybe that's what the showrunners have said is that this was a fit of rage. I guess I saw it as less, I saw it as. Both. I saw it as a fit of rage fueled by uh, exasperation. I didn't. Okay. I didn't see her as snapping, and maybe that's my own problem. Maybe maybe that was what I was supposed to yeah, see. Yeah. I saw her. I saw her sitting there. To me, was like, I'm ready to snap. Okay, now I'm allowing myself to snap. That's kind of what I saw. Maybe yeah, that's like different. I've been holding back the dragon. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, you know what? Like she had a moment. She's like, like I felt it was like. I felt it was there was a, it it was calculated, even yeah, though okay. even though it was I felt it was enraged, but I felt like she knew what she was going to do when she got on that dragon that morning. That's my thought. Okay, now I want to tell you about everything I liked about this episode. Mm-hmm. But before I do, are there any other major issues that? Um, so logistics are an issue again. I really, honestly, the the Euron Jamie was probably like I, I think I had a pause to unroll my eyes. I just didn't. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm seeing. It's amazing to me, and I get it. He's he's water. You know, he's water dude, so he can survive the water. Which then, why didn't all the other water dudes survive the water? Um, and he comes in, and it's just like it's this big deal. And again, I think maybe it just wasn't for me. But this idea that like Jamie, the last time that Jamie disappointed us was he left Brienne, right? Like that was yeah, sure. That's that was the moment. So him going back to Cersei for whatever, unless he was going back to kill Cersei, I don't think we would have felt that that he resolved in a way that we may have wanted it to. Right. Um, so him to returning. So then the idea that like, uh oh, Euron wants his woman. It's like, 
I don't care. <laughs> I don't want him and Cersei. I, I don't want Jamie. Like the idea that like we should be rooting for Jamie because he has to get back to Cersei. It's like, well, we don't want him to get back to Cersei if it's to reunite. You know what I mean? So it's like, why, why do I care that he's being thwarted in this? What I consider a nothing maneuver, especially if they're already surrendering without him going up there. I thought that was kind of the point. You know, I mean, right. So, right, right, so right. nothing about Jamie getting interrupted mattered because he gets interrupted, but they they surrender anyway. So, so what is it? So that whole notion of him him having to get back and and mm-hmm. Tyrion risking his own life to to get his brother to do this thing that he never even needed to do. So there's no. There was no like, and then so when it finally, when he finally reaches Cersei, everything crumbles, and it's like, okay, that's kind of a, a poetic notion. They get crumbled by the very, uh, you know, castle that they kept. That's um, right. I think but, so. But and it I also think, was like, eh, okay. Yeah, I think it's in, okay. So first of all, when I think when the brothers say farewell, I really do believe that they think this is the last time we're going to see each other, one way or another. Yeah. So both of them, I think, are resolved to. Do what they're going to do or die trying. Mm-hmm. So Jamie goes to find Cersei. And I think initially it's like, I'm going to take her and we're going to escape. Mm-hmm. And then Euron like stabs him pretty good. Yeah. And I think he knows he's going to die. And I think at that point he's thinking, well, I'm going to do this anyway. And if I die, if I die trying, then I'm going to die trying. And mm-hmm. I think maybe he thinks he is going to die. But he's gonna die in, you know, in Cersei's arms or something, right? Um, so I don't know, which is also it, fine. It, but it, I don't know that I care. Yeah, it, it, of there was all the missing things. there. Well, and this is, I think, this is my. This goes back to my other point about the Cleganes. Um, don't do that right now. Don't do any <laughs> of that right now because because you have so much. I have so much that I'm chewing on that the idea of these lesser incidents. Um, don't hold the same level of gravity, <laughs> um, and so so then that's because that becomes not only the logistical issues we've had, but it's sort of the timing and like the the choices that are made. And again, yeah. I think it's a very complicated thing because how do you how do you have the so I think what you could do is if you didn't if you split this up into two episodes, your final ep- your final scene in this is the bell rings, Tyrion's like, Phew, and then she takes off and just starts burning. That's your I- end. Right. That's your end. And then your next episode, you can just pick up uh, with her still scorching everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Then now we've had enough time to sort of chew on that a little bit, like emotionally. Yeah, you get a whole, you probably get a whole week of fans yeah. saying, oh no, what right. are we going to do with Danny? What are we going to do with, you know, all, all, right. this, all of these questions. Right. So. so now you can shift your attention and you can have these subplots of the Cleganes and then Jamie. And if you have to do your own, fine. But like, then those, those scenes, they're, they're separated a bit. Right. So then you have that a chance to sort of, to, to mull them over and, and chew on them with, with the sort of gravity that I think that they were intended. So I think that's one of the problems I have is that they get so, uh, overshadowed by the other by the other going on that it's uh what what if this let me give you an alternative episode here um what if danny goes after cersei like precision strike and she she hits it like a cache of wildfire and the wildfire takes out the city Mm, yeah and everyone's like well this is just all burned anyway right and then you can kind of think, well, eh, you know, I can kind of see that her her motive, but 
you know, and maybe like there are people out there that are like, no, she burned down the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in the same way that Jamie gets blamed for killing the Mad King or whatever. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's okay, too, I guess. So we, I, an interesting part that I thought, like, so we start, we see wildfire eruptions. Yeah, yeah. Now that's, I like that. Now, that's like wildfire it. that's, like, underneath the city, right? Yeah, someone, someone hid some wildfire. Yeah, so I kind of, right? so I think that that's an interesting, to me, that was a, that was intriguing because I liked the idea that uh, whether it was there from before or whether it was Cersei's doing, she has th- there are these booby traps yeah, yeah, that yeah. that are fully there to wipe out the innocents because she already she did is, it with the Seth, right? Care, right? So the idea that she's going, th- I, I think that juxtaposition, I don't think it's going to get enough credit because uh, I love the idea that it's like, yes, Danny's going crazy and burning people, and oh look, it was going to probably happen one way or another. These people were screwed. You know what I mean? Like there was, right, I, right. I, I think that there's something, I think that's a really good uh, element that can easily I like get the, lost. It was a good, nice little detail. I, I mean, clearly that's not the story that they, they could have told that story differently. Sure. Um, all right. Let me tell you the things that I, I loved about this episode. Mm. Okay. There was an episode in episode, maybe in season seven where Tyrion is in Marine and the dragons won't eat. Mm-hmm. And he he decides his big plan is to walk into this dark cavernous dungeon or whatever, and free the dragons. Mm-hmm. Okay, well the way that this episode starts is that Danny won't eat, right? And then Tyrion goes into her dark room. The lighting is exactly the same as Tyrion walking into the dungeon. Interesting. And he's really reluctant to go in. Yeah, yeah. He's afraid of her. And in so, in other words, she's become the dragon. Right, right. right. Yeah, um, that's that's a good. Again, I thought that was great. Little clues. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That was really, really well done. I I really like that when Tyrion walks up to Varys and just says, "It was me." Yeah, that's all he says. It was yeah. me, and then he puts his hand on his. You know, I I thought. I, I would have liked to see Varys jump off and grow a merman tail, but aside <laughs> from that, the way that Varys went out was like it was really Game of Thrones. Yeah, you yeah. know, you know, here's Tyrion's. This is his bestie. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I, I that that was that was great. I do like when um, John is trying to kiss Danny, or at least, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't have love here. I only have fear. I love you. And you will always be my queen. Is that all I am to you? He's, he's like, is this going to work? Right. Am I going to be able to forget that you're my aunt? That you've, you've, you've resolved to, you know, commit genocide? Yeah, as soon as I... And that scene for me was like... I'm like, nope. Oh. Danny's gonna do whatever she wants now. I, that, I, to me, that was. It's... Yeah, I don't have any love here, and he says, "I love you." And the way he says, "You're my queen," it's with all the resolve that he would take the Night's Watch vow. Right. It's like, look, I'm stuck here, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be loyal. I'm gonna be a man of honor. It's not by a way of affection. And she realizes it. Yeah, and she says, "Is that all I am?" Okay, let it be fear. Let it be fear. Well, which is an amazing moment, right? Because here yeah. she is. She's all about titles, and she wants to be the queen. And then she's like, he's like, yeah, you're my queen. And then she's like, well, is that it? 
And that's like, well, isn't that everything? And it yeah. just show it shows <laughs> it shows yeah. how conflicted she is. It shows how um how 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 she's not ready to really to be a leader in many ways. And I just think and at that point I'm like, and again, I have no idea what's gonna happen. I mean, I give all my my friends credit for not saying anything uh, mm. about this episode. So that when she when that bell rings and she's sitting there, I'm like, Oh, dude, it is on. <laughs> I knew I knew and I was glad. And let me tell you why I was glad because I didn't like Tyrion's plan, uh, I, and I thought it was kind of a contrived idea. And what I here's what I thought was going to happen is that he was going, the bells are going to ring, uh, that Jamie. This is what Heather thought, and I think this is actually a pretty good. Uh, Would have been a pretty good storyline. Is Tyrion constantly is telling, "Hey, this is the idea. We do the bells. The bells, and then we'll back out." And Jamie knows this. He gets to Cersei in time and says, "If we ring those bells." They'll fall back, and we can attack. Oh yeah, no that, that that's what that's that's what she thought was going to happen. So that's why she was really frustrated with Tyrion because she's like, oh, he's just giving his plan away, like he's yeah. a Bond villain now. Sure. And uh, and then it turned out that that wasn't the case. So I was kind of relieved because I didn't want because I because that's where I was getting frustrated with Tyrion. I'm like, well, is he going to just tell him how to beat him? Uh, okay, the other so that thing was that I nice. the other thing I really liked was the exchange between the, the reversal of fortunes between Jamie and Tyrion. So, you know, this, this other scene that I've already mentioned was with Jamie sort of visiting Tyrion in jail and right. then letting him go. And now we got this little reversal of fortunes where Tyrion lets Jamie go and what's his his mission is to save the city from burning, which mm. is exactly what we've been told is what makes Jamie a good guy. Because back in the day, he killed the the Mad King mm. to save the city from burning. And he says something like, "You know, I, I didn't really care about the innocents anyway." So he's kind of trying to talk himself into being the villain. Right, right. When have I ever been able to convince Cersei of anything? Try. If not for yourself, if not for her, then for every one of the million people in that city, innocent or otherwise. To be honest, I never really cared much for them. Innocent or otherwise. You do care for one innocent. I know you do. And so does Cersei. She has her reason now. The child is the reason she'll never give an inch. All the worst things she's ever done, she's done for her children. It's not impossible that she'll win. She won't. Her enemy's forces have been depleted, as she said they would be. Two of the three dragons are dead. She's even the old. The city will fall tomorrow. She has the Lannister army. She has the gold. I defended the city last time it was attacked. I know it better than anyone. It will fall tomorrow. I suppose I'll die tomorrow, if not before. Why? Escape. The two of you, together. Remember where we met? Where they keep the dragon skulls beneath the Red Keep? Take her down there. Keep following the stairways down, down as far as they'll go. You'll come out onto a beach at the foot of the keep. A dinghy will be waiting for you. Sail out of the bay. If the winds are kind, you'll make it to Pentos. Start a new life. Sail right past the Iron Fleet and into a new life. Sounds a lot less likely than Cersei winning this war. There won't be an Iron Fleet for much longer. 
Do it. If you don't, you never see Cersei again. Swear to me. You have my word. All of that put together, so I've already mentioned the sort of the parallels between the bells and the gods and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. All of that put together, and I would say that's about the first 20 minutes of the episode. For that 20 minutes, I didn't care about the Night King. I actually mm-hmm. cared about the Iron Throne again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I Which is yeah, a right. pretty amazing thing, given what we talked about before. Right. It's like, why should I care about the Iron Throne? They just defeated death, right? Yep. And for those for the, for the first 20 minutes of this episode, I actually really cared. I really cared about the Iron Throne. And I thought that that was kind of an impossible feat that they pulled off. Yeah, yeah. So I loved all that part of it. I, I also thought it was a pretty great little uh, set piece to have the, the gates explode from behind the Golden Company. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of – that was kind of great, even though Drogon dodged – a bunch of mm-hmm. scorpion bolts to do it. I did appreciate the Clegane bowl a second time through. Like I said, I don't think I had a problem with it overall, just that in that sequence with everything else going on, it just gets overshadowed. And I don't think, yeah. And it kind of, it's like, I, I just didn't, I, if I, if I had cared, I didn't, I forgot. <laughs> Get this yeah, sure. You know, and here's what I liked about it. All right. So, here we have the mountain who's like super strong, like superhumanly strong. And at one point he like creates a human shield for like this massive ceiling coming right. down on Cersei. Like totally obedient, right? Mm. And then he sees his brother. Yeah, and he just <laughs> Kyburn gets he awesome. just destroys Kyburn and ignores Cersei. It's which, like, which is, I, I'll tell you what, man, I love that. I loved it, you know, as as a uh, just the, the 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 creature turning against creator. It's exactly. Like, you wanted some Frankenstein stuff. Yeah, that was it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, what yeah. happens with the Hound at the same time? Here, Cersei is like he could end the war right there. Just stab Cersei. Nope, mm-hmm. he doesn't care. He lets Cersei walk right by. Yeah. All he can see is his grudge match with his brother and vice versa. So here are these two characters that the the world is actually crumbling around them. And all they care about is vengeance. Yeah. yeah. And and then it sort of culminates with the metaphor of like one of them pokes out one of them's eyes and the other one pokes out the other. So you have that eye for an eye metaphor. Right, right, right. And then they both, you know, tumble to their certain death. Well, and, you know, now that we're having, and again, because I was so taken by all the other stuff and having this post-mortem is good because it's like, yeah, and what? Are, why is the world crumbling around them right now? Yeah, eye for an eye. Right? Eye for an eye. Vengeance. Uh, mm-hmm. Fueled for the, you know, hey, you killed Miss Andy, I'm going to kill all of you. It's, you know, you send one of yours to the hospital, I'm going to send one of yours to the morgue. It's a... Uh, um, it actually, it's the it actually, Chicago ways. Yeah, it, it actually is. It's it, it it's all kind of it works. They work as sort of metaphors for for everything yeah, that's going yeah, on. Yeah. And and so it's like, it, it kind of works as this because um, it's brother versus microcosm, brother, right? Yeah, it's brother versus brother. It's unresolved issues. There's bigger things at stake, like we saw with the the White Walkers, um, and all it all that it did was put a pause. On the nonsense, instead of it being like, "Hey, you know what? We've got a bigger thing. We should put every all of our differences aside 
to just survive as, as human beings. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, we're going to get caught up with so many other issues. And, you know, like, again, if, if Martin's intent is to use, uh, the white walkers as sort of a, a climate change allegory, then yeah, it's like, we'll, we'll, we'll do a little bit to, to fight it. Uh, but really we're, we're going to fight about so many other things while the world burns around us. Mm -hmm. We're going to yeah. get caught up in our own petty differences, things that we, you know, grudges that we've got. Um, while the world literally falls apart around us. And, that's, and that's right. And, that's right. And in that way, it kind of works as a microcosm for this episode and also the entire series. Yeah. So I think I, I appreciated that more second time through. I liked um, Arya when she kind of wakes up and she like looks like, you know, death warmed over or mm. whatever. You know, a lot of dust and blood on her face. And she kind of, to my mind, kind of looked like a ghost. Yeah. And, like, way back in the day, she, and this may be a book thing, but um, she used to call herself the the ghost of Hall. So she actually referred to herself as a ghost a couple times. So mm. I, I liked that. I thought that was a nice little callback. I thought there were several callbacks in this episode. You know, I, so here's the thing. And this is where I said I was disappointed because I didn't feel like it was a great episode. Um, because I felt that despite its running time, it was abrupt. It spent like we've talked about, like if you give me, you know, less burning in the streets, cause I kind of get it. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe little to no, you're on Jamie. You could have spent some time working on some of those other things like that. We've just sort of fleshed out that may or may not have mm -hmm. even been intended, but they could have really been benefited by, by handling them in a more game of Thronesy nuanced way. Yeah. Right. Um, I think you actually have an episode that's pretty pretty damn good, and I, I do not think this again is a... again this is an editing issue. Now there mm -hmm. are a couple major plot points that we had issues with, right? So that yeah, that's that's a problem. But again, it's like, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to re-edit this? Because there might be a way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could re-edit it you, if you're gonna take out a cup. <laughs> you could take out a urine. <laughs> um so so yeah so with that so i guess again going with just the tomato meter which i understand is not not the end all mm. be all but it's a pretty good glimpse right um it's a 48 percent episode and i and i don't think it is i don't I mean it's not an f uh it's probably a c plus and even that it, it here it is i'll give it overall i'll give it a c plus with some a and b plus moments and that's not terrible had, okay what if you had like a Danny Targaryen tattoo. Okay, so now here's here now. This is great because this actually came up in a conversation <laughs> last night. Like, what if you had a Jakaris tattoo? So we we before we went to uh, to watch this, we we went out for a little got, got a bite. I had a couple beers, burgers, mm -hmm. get ourselves in a in a in a good place, you know. Uh, uh, before we <laughs> before we ventured into what we figured was. You know, a slip and slide into a pool of diarrhea and yeah. uh, um, diarrhea and mayhem. And we uh, and we talked about a, a mutual friend of ours who was who got pretty tatted up, not necessarily with Danny, but like tatted up with the show with show stuff as as the show was going on. And then I'm like, <laughs> no, you yeah, know, someone who's yeah. Doing and I'm like, right. oh, I'm all, now you have an advantage of going, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to read the books <laughs> and 
say that's what I'm about. That's fine. Um, but like, if you walked away from this show, going, oh crap, this show just sort of left me wanting. Well, that's not what your body says. Uh, so, so I, you know, yeah, you think about that, and you go, that's that's a that's a tough one. And and I'm sure Danny, and I'm I'm sure uh, you know people have changed their names of their dogs from like Drogon to. I don't know. To who knows what? Or name their children Daenerys? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's so that's I, going so, on out there, man. So I definitely could see that being like, well, but also it's like, yeah, maybe or or maybe. use the uh, the, the uh, use the same wedding vows and, and <laughs> right. for the seven gods in your wedding, right? I mean, that's. That's not Weiss and Benioff's fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not going to hold them accountable <laughs> for that. <laughs> so if you're upset because you, you've made some bizarre choices based on this show, um, I think you deserve to have your city burned down. <laughs> all right. I'm just going to go through the people that died, all right? So, <laughs> Are you, do you have the, the census from uh, King's Landing? <laughs> we do have a dismemberment count. Uh, I counted one beheading. Oddly, a lot of burning, not a lot of uh, right. dismemberment. So Kyburn gets it, right? Yeah. Both Cersei and Jamie. Uh Euron. Mm-hmm. Uh both the Mountain and the Hound. Right. I guess this woman who we've been following through the city. Yeah. We don't know her name, but she's a commoner and she's got a daughter. Yeah. Both her and her daughter get burned. Varys, of course, famously. Yeah. Varys gets it. So quite a few, quite right. a few people get snuffed out this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the leader of the gold company gets it. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty. Uh, I mean, for a penult- penultimate episode, right? Yeah, that's pretty big. I mean, that's big. Cersei's gone, right? I almost feel like. Is that too many? Like for any one of those deaths to matter individually? Like oh, I feel yeah, like for what I see what you're saying for Var- them to matter. Varys got the death and the moment, right? Yeah. So Varys's I think was done very well. I right. think I think you know the Hound and the Mountain they did very well. Again, I I and yet even so they could have shot it differently to make that a you know a matter more. A, a, yeah, they 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 could have like made it more prominent, I suppose. Uh, I think Kyburn's death was fine. In fact, I kind of like I I think that's perfect because Kyburn is one of these guys where it's like he doesn't deserve a huge send-off, but the the how he died and how abrupt he died because of Well, how creation. quickly? How did how quickly the mountain can dispose of him? If, right. I thought that if was he great. Wants to, I think right? that I think there was a lot baked into that. I yeah. and so I think that was actually a pretty good moment. Um I think the Jamie Cersei one was it felt a little anticlimactic. Uh, Euron could have been killed an episode ago. Um, yeah. So yeah. overall, I think it was actually okay. I think that I think the one I think that the Jamie Cersei one should have had more gravity, but it was also hard because I feel like I was still wrestling with the idea of like, do I care or what do I care? Like, if if he goes back, I need I need to know why this matters. And if it's just about them to die in each other's arms, I'm like. I don't like Cersei, so I don't want her to be like I don't want her to have closure necessarily. And then with Jamie, it's like, well, this is the closure I didn't want you to have, but I it's I mean, it's I don't have a problem with it. I think yeah, it, a lot of people wanted Arya to get Cersei, uh, yeah, to get, to get Cersei, and then a lot of people wanted Jamie to kill Cersei. And I'll tell right. you, what. well, I'm I'm sh- okay, you could, but I, I I think that there is watching them crumble under the weight of their own 
legacy mm-hmm. is it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's pretty good. However, okay, so let me tell you the, the sort of the the big fan conversation leading up to this. And there was a lot of question about who kills Cersei. For years, who's going to kill Cersei? There was one major theory that it's got to be Arya because Cersei's on the list, right? Right. Arya's got a list. Cersei's on it. Joffrey's gone. She can't get Joffrey, right? right. Um. All right. So anyway, that was one theory. The other theory was... It's got to be Jamie mm. because there was this little prophecy that Cersei goes to this woods witch and gets a prophecy that all of her children are going to die or whatever. And uh, and the, the part that is included in the book but not the show is that she will be killed by this Valencar. Uh, Valencar, Valencar simply means younger brother. Mm. And so you get a lot of talk about the Valencar theory, whatever. So here we have this idea of one of her younger brothers, and that either meaning, you know, Jamie or Tyrion is actually going to kill her in the end. And it would have been somewhat po- poetic, I think, if Jamie kills her. And mm. I think that in a sense, you might be able to say, well, he kind of did because he let her down to the. You know, to her ultimate right. demise. A well, lot of fans get, were you... not happy with it. It was like, wait, I didn't get, I didn't get either of those two, and the roof falls in on her. Yeah, like, that's well, not I what mean, I if wanted. you want to follow the technicalities, that you could say that both, both Jamie and Tyrion, Tyrion's the one who tells him where to take her. That's true. He takes her down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, granted. No, neither of it was intentional, but that's kind of the, the beauty of prophecy in some cases. Yeah, you yeah you read into it. What yeah, you read into it, and so uh, so that happens, right? And mm-hmm. then and ultimately Tyrion was on the side that was the one that uh, mm-hmm. I mean he does kind of put her in a position to do this, <laughs> even though yeah. he didn't want it. I mean there, yeah. So I mean there's a lot there's a lot to be uh, to me that and again I get it. Fans have the things that that matter to them. Um, hey, I'm the guy that's still like Night King on the throne is pretty cool though. Um, now let me tell you one more thing, and no one else cares about this but me. I, I can probably guarantee you that, <laughs> like, I'm in a percentage of one per- percent of people who are going to care about this. Lay it on. Me. All, right. All right. The title of this episode is called "The Bells," mm-hmm. and there's like about 15 shots of that bell tower. Like, they just show that bell tower over and over and over again, right? So they're really, really focused on the bells as some kind of metaphor for the the episode. Tyrion's talking about the bells. The people are shouting, ring the bells, right? Mm -hmm. So they're focusing. It's like there's a spotlight on that bell tower. I don't know if you noticed this, but there was a little symbol in the bell tower. It's called a quadrifoil. It looks like a little four leaf clover in like, but it's like shaped like a cross. Okay. I, you probably didn't notice it, but I noticed it. And every single time they would show the bell tower, they would have a little quadrifoil. That comes out of the medieval world, and I'm thinking, well, if you're gonna spotlight it, give me like a seven pointed star or something. Give me something that like would work for this this time faith of the seven or whatever there's nothing about a quadrifoil that works with this world that you've given me prior to this right okay 
And I can and so that just a little thing that took me out. It's like mm. just because I happen to know that like pay attention to the details, people, because there's no way a quadrifoil is going to be on that tower. It's going to be the seven pointed star or something. And I would I'd probably overlook it. No no problem. But the fifteenth time you show me the tower, that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> so anyway, I, it it is a it is the definition of a nitpick. Uh, but it's something that I noticed. Okay. All right. Finally. Yeah. A major part of this episode was following this woman through the crowds. Mm-hmm. The woman you don't know. You don't know her name. She's just kind of like the avatar for the common person. Right. She is the face of these innocent people that Danny's about to murder. She's right? Joe, the, Joe the plumber. She's Joe the plumber. All right. And she's got a daughter. Effect. I think that was fairly effective. You know, we're kind of following her throughout, throughout the the crowds or whatever. Would that have worked better if it was hot pie? Oh, interesting. Just hot pie, like running from like station to station, you know, handing out bread, talking to people about recipes. <laughs> And he gets killed in the end, and Arya sees that he's die. He dies, and you know, charred charred bread loaf in his hand. Somebody that we knew, in other words. He's a commoner that we know. Yeah, yeah, that's so, interesting. Because, I, mean, I mean, I guess I'm supposed to care about this woman who I don't know. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. I guess because it's like, and the fact that you don't know her, but you're supposed to have some sort of a connection. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it. I I found that to be to be fine. Um, you don't. You don't want hot pie. I mean, I'm always down for more hot pie. But here's the thing: I want to live in a world where hot pie is still alive. He's trying to like bake a loaf of bread, and there's wildfire under the the burner. <laughs> if you can come, if everyone at the end of the day goes, but I can prom. If if Weiss and Benioff said, but I promise you, hot pie is still alive. I bet you a lot of people go, oh, okay, no, then it's fine. He comes out with a with a loaf of flaming bread because. It, and he, like, scares off the hound because the hound is afraid of fire. <laughs> or he runs up to Danny and says, I made a dragon-shaped bread, and then she softens. <laughs> Nobody's ever made me bread before. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would have that been great. And then he just sticks a knife right in it. Just a really quite <laughs> he gets, and a, he's on a the missed iron. opportunity. And then the next episode is just hot pie on the Iron Throne. <laughs> but it's 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 a baked Iron Throne. <laughs> a... I'm. I think it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I maybe. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I, I'm trying not to be difficult. I, I just don't. I, I have, I have issues with editing, pacing, and a couple of things. But like overall, I'm like, I think, I just wasn't. I mean, Heather didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't Heather like it? <laughs> uh, she just, she really felt. I think, I think for her, it was just so tonally different, and so like. Yeah. I think the abruptness uh, mattered. I don't think she, I don't even necessarily think that she had a problem with, with the Danny wiping everything out. I think it was just the other, there were other elements. Like she was, she was getting taken out at different spots 
and she was like no i think this is this is a frustrating and unfortunate episode and i just didn't see it that way um for the for the big reasons for the smaller reasons or for some mm-hmm. of the issues like I, I could sit there and say yeah this is this is not one of their best efforts from a production standpoint but mm-hmm. i said from a narrative standpoint i don't really have a lot of problems with it. in fact i think that well, they did, did a lot of really know, good things i mean i think i'm i think i'm with her in the sense that this episode was quite the spectacle right right and i almost felt like Okay, so you're done with your Game of Thrones narrative about 20 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Now let the spectacle begin, and I kind of feel like, is there a way to give me the spectacle, but and do it in a way that's faithful to Game of Thrones? Sure. Well, and here was what I said uh, when it was over, and I think, and she she agreed at the time, and I don't know if she still feels the same way, but uh, I said, yeah, this does not feel like an episode that belongs to the show we've been watching for seven and a half seasons. Yeah. yeah. However, would you have enjoyed a series that was like this? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so going back to what you said, I think last time was about, this is the greatest fantasy portrayal you've seen. Yeah. On Next, any screen, on anywhere. any screen. Yeah. So, and that, still holds true everything you saw i think still holds true right um this if there was an entire episode or if there was an entire series that was kind of like this i think we'd still like it we would not say it is the greatest um and you would yeah, be you'd probably I mean, be so i guess and i understand these these episodes don't exist in a vacuum mm-hmm. but i also think it's real easy to go this isn't the game of thrones that i fell in love with therefore it's it's shit I don't buy that. I don't, I, that, and that's where I, and I, I'm not trying to defend it overly. I mean, I think people can, people should be disappointed with this episode. Let me be real clear about that. I don't think that there's, I'm not going to sit there and go, well, if you're disappointed, blah, blah, blah. but if, I, I will take exception with if you think that Danny wasn't headed down this path, I don't think you were paying that, uh, attention. I, I think my takeaway from this episode is that it, it had major problems. There was a, a lot that I liked in it. But it doesn't make me like the series leading up to this less. Sure. Right. And I think that that's important. And I don't know that people that I've talked to have been able to reconcile that. Yeah, yeah. I think they feel that this was such a major letdown that um, that they that, that all of it is is not worth revisiting. So this yeah. is how many times have you this is how many times have you seen this episode now that you've rewatched it? It's probably my third time. Second you, or third? Do you have, have you felt the same about it each time? Have have you appreciated it more? Have you liked it less? What's okay? I when I first watched it, I thought, huh, okay, you know, kind of. I, I was I I've been on I've been on kind of the Danny is on a sort of a, the tyrant track. I was on uh-huh. that long before a lot of other people. So I kind of I was kind of waiting for her to go full Mad King. So that there was a little gratification there. And then I listened to social media and podcasts and whatnot and rewatched it. And I thought, I actually, they're kind of right. There's a few things about this that are really, really troubling. Um, and so let's say this is my third time through. There were things that I liked about this episode that I didn't like before, like the, the mountain and the hound fight. I, I appreciated that in a new way this time around. I caught the parallels with like, you know, the bells third mm-hmm. time around. 
which I really appreciated it. So I think my in, overall, I think my opinion of it has gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's you know solid solid B range. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not willing to give it a anything less than that. Okay. Yeah, I walked out of this thing going C plus with, and it may be, and maybe that's more tonally than anything else because overall, I still think that an episode like this had had a like a handful of A A minus moments, which mm-hmm. you know you got to give it credit, <laughs> you know, for for a time when when the criticism is they're mailing it in. I'm like, yeah, but how do you? You, you know, you know, you got to be pretty good if you can mail it in and still have some really good moments in it and some stuff that's worth talking uh-huh. about. Mm-hmm. Even although, you although you haven't watched the next episode yet. <laughs> well, see, that's so this is this is my hope. This is where I am, Tyrion, holding out hope. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, give me a whopper. <laughs> bring bring on the <laughs> bring on the diarrhea. Let let me all right. Let let's just get you on the record here. What's gonna happen? What's oh. gonna happen? Like what? How, how do you how do you conclude this, knowing what you know? Right, that's a tough one because, I mean, we we the we don't know what's going on right now with the North. I mean, the show does feel like that. Like every every time John shows up, they're like, "Oh, that's right, John." <laughs> um. It feels like a John Danny showdown is inevitable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I walked away from this thing going, Arya's got to at least try to kill Danny, right? I mean, I mean, there's the the possibility is that's the way that this episode ends is Arya riding out on a white horse, right? And which suggests a certain heroism. Yeah, it's like she's the good cowboy or something. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, so maybe like there she's, you know, so, I mean, who, who's left on the list. Right. And the thing is, Danny was never on the list that we know of, but she should you would be imagine now. She's on now. She should be now. Right. And yeah. so, so whether or not she'll prevail, cause that's the thing is, I, although her resolution with the hound, I think means that she's not a vengeance monster anymore. That's fair. Um, but she still can be someone who protects her family. And so that's kind of like the if John's in danger thing, potentially, or I mean, I also, to be honest, I'm like looking at the way things are going. I'm like, I could see this ending pretty bleak. Um, If if the if the lesson that we're we're working towards is, you know, power corrupts, Mm -hmm. um, it would be weird if it didn't at the end. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. why would you take us this far and then all of a sudden add a new quick wrinkle? But that's the other mm-hmm. thing that the show has been doing is is the abruptness. So it could very well be like, oh, Sansa's on the throne. Uh, ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> it is a show of magic. Yeah, that's right. It's magic. No, so there is a there. So I feel like there's a higher probability of an improbable ta-da ending that is going to leave me like, I mean, I, <laughs> unless it just ends with, you know, the book closing and Fred Savage is saying, wait, that's it. That's it's over. And, uh, you know, Peter Falk is like, look, kid, you got to get back to bed. I can't keep going on with this. There's a whole story of Targaryens that, that to come. You get your rest. <laughs> All the rest is just kissing incest. That's <laughs> well, I don't mind the incest so much. Oh, we don't mind the incest so much now. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you still think that I that, that my uh, my wish will come true? Oh yeah! Oh my god! <laughs> this is incredible! Oh yeah! Incredible! <laughs> I thought maybe it'd be like, well, if you didn't mind this episode, maybe he'll be okay with this. Oh boy, this is so exciting! <laughs> well, I think I'm on the record for saying you'll think it's it's fine. Until a moment, and then you'll just l- laugh gleefully oh. at how absurd the entire thing is. Mm-mm-mm. This is <laughs> man. I didn't think. I thought I was coming into the. You thought you're out of the woods, didn't oh, you? Oh my god, I did. I did. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> man, so get it.